You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, your number one English source for all things Olibiakos, the red and white legend by the fans for the fans. Big, big game coming up tomorrow. It's the game of the season. It's the last big one. It's uh, all in or go home for the Olibiakos team as far as Europe is concerned. I'm not in Athens. Labro, one of our co-hosts, is in Athens for the game tomorrow. So guess what? There's another vlog coming after the first vlog that we did last week. Click the link above in case you missed it. Labro is going to have a good vlog coming out afterwards. But before I get ahead of myself and get excited about that, we're here to talk about tomorrow's game. As I said, this is it. This is it, people. We're 2-1 down. The scoreline's probably closer than we expected after the first game. I think we were we were lucky in the end to come away with 2-1. It was good that we've got a goal, but there's no away goal this time round. Listen, I've got somebody that will join us today, a Serie A expert. His name is Connor Clancy. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you for joining us. I'm all right. I'm all right. That intro, both what you've got preset and what you said, you've got me feeling even more nervous than I already was. So thanks for that. <laughs> so as I said, Connor Clancy's uh, he's a professional journalist. He's been following Syria. He's a Syria expert. Just telling me off camera earlier how he fell in love with uh, with Atalanta, the Bergamaschi. Connor, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you how did you get into Serie A and how did you fall in love with Atalanta? Um, Serie A was quite simple and it's down to one man, really, which is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So when he went to Milan after his ill enough fated spell at Barcelona, I, I just wanted to watch him. So I started following Serie A just so I could watch him every week. And then, you know, when you watch teams playing against Milan, you kind of notice the different stories from them too. So I, I realized that it was quite an interesting league and, and that was it. And then I went to Italy to, to watch some games and I went to an Atalanta game. And like I told you off air, the, the reception there was unique. And ever since that day in 2012, I think I've, I've not looked back and it's just been I've been an Atalanta supporter ever since. And there's there's nothing else for me out there at the moment. It sounds like you would fall in love with Olympiacos very easily, mate. If you, I mean, the, the the atmosphere was 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 pretty all right. Like, and I've I've heard good things about Atalanta. I researched it when I when I went out there, and you know, it's a small town. Everyone's behind the club, and I I met a super fan, uh, a, a lady, a sixty two year old lady that owns the Trattoria, 
Um, you know, the, the, the manager eats at her restaurant, the players and the number one Tifosi who's banned right now for reasons I can't remember. For quite a long uh, time too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, you can definitely tell that relationship between the, the town and, and the football club is, is very important. And it was it was a decent atmosphere for such a small such a small stadium like they made you know the Kurva Nord they made some some noise on the other side uh 850 Greeks were still you know making making their noise as well tomorrow it's going to be uh 50% at uh, at Karaiskaki so that means about 16,000 um Olympiakos fans I think Atalanta are getting about 800 tickets so it's not going to be a full Karaiskaki but I can tell you for damn sure everyone's going to be going to be up for it and willing the team tomorrow um tell me like what what did you think of the game last week because I was at the stadium obviously uh, but I'm keen to kind of get your views as to you know we've heard a lot about Atalanta kind of not really been playing very well supposedly since after Christmas mm. um and um for that matter it's been a, a very rocky and weird season for Olympiagos as well but you know what was your reaction to the game did it go how you expected or um I don't know what to expect from Atalanta anymore so in terms of how last week went regarding to my expectations I can't answer that but I was pleased and relieved that Atalanta won and I didn't get to watch this game live but I've watched it fully back since and Having watched the game, I felt quietly confident because Atalanta did dominate that. And I do think you guys were quite fortunate to get out of there with, with just the 2-1 deficit. I mean, Pashalic alone had plenty of chances to have a hat-trick. Um, the fact that the goals came to Jim City showed the complications that Atalanta have been having. They've not been scoring at the rate that they usually score. A centre-back scoring twice in a minute. I mean, it... It's bizarre, both from set pieces as well. They've been without both of their strikers. They loaned their other striker out to Genoa as well. It's, it's been a horrible time for Atalanta. The performances have been poor, but for the most part, understandably poor because they've not had their entire squad to call upon at any point this season. And the January international break looked as though it might give them their full squad. But then Robin Gozens left and Duvan Zapata and Luis Muriel both got injured. And it just, it's proving to be just one of those seasons for Atalanta where if they qualify for Europe now, I, I think they'll look back at it and say, we did the best that we could. So that's a, quite a long way of answering a question that is, I, I don't know what to expect for any Atalanta game anymore. Um, and that used to be a positive thing because it meant chaos. Now it's less of a positive thing because it means it's either going to be a draw or they're going to narrowly lose in a, in a frustrating manner. So, yeah, I, I, I've got... You can probably see how I'm feeling about this second leg as well, just from what I've said there. It's um, it's curious you say that because when I, when I was speaking to some Atalanta fans last week, I... I was surprised that they weren't so confident. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I talked to quite a few people, and what I detected was quite um quite an apprehension. Uh, and even you know, one lady I talked to said said she was quite scared about the encounter because there are so many injuries, and um, they didn't know what to expect either from us. We're a somewhat of an unknown quantity to to Atalanta fans. Um, in the end, I think. 
I think you're right. In in a way, we were lucky to escape with less than well, in two one being the final score. But I was I I can't really remember like you know a one on one or like a moment where Atalanta really carved us open. Mm. Albeit down the wings, there were a lot of overlapping situations where this I was is... I was screaming at our right back because he kept getting done on on the you know the left hand side of of Atalanta and you won thirteen corners mm-hmm. and I actually have this um, this graphic here which is a little bit yeah this is a, a little bit of an amateur graphic but it's just to show you like where the balls went from the corners so a lot mm-hmm. of balls there on on the near post one ball that was played short. But lo and behold, in the end, it was two goals coming from from set pieces. And I was surprised to learn afterwards that Atalanta is one of the worst attacking set piece teams in Serie A and one of and defending set pieces as well. They're poor. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get a single set piece, single corner rather, uh, throughout the entire game. But yeah, it was just one of those games, man. Um, but they're definitely a, a threat down the wing. For That's sure. what they do. So with, with you saying they didn't carve out too many one-on-ones, they tend not to. They they tend to score with that. Those flying wing backs will get in and then cut one back, and it will be yeah. Duva, Muriel, Pasalic, whatever. If Muriel plays, they're more likely to get those one-on-one chances because they've got somebody who over twenty yards is rapid and over any more than that not so much so they can play a longer ball over the top and just let him get in or or he's capable of dribbling past players and, and creating one-on-ones for himself but otherwise they're not really a team who who do that particularly now with without a striker I mean Tung Cook Miners has been playing as a false nine he had there was one chance against Fiorentina at the weekend where he was put through but it was because of a defensive mistake from Fiorentina the other chances kind of came with balls in from from either side with, with the fullbacks trying to get forward. And and that is more what Atalanta are good at and what they've been good at for quite a few years now. Yeah, no, it was it was scary at times, uh, really, to be honest. And yeah, we play a, a zonal defence with Portuguese manager as it's, um, its positives and its negatives. But, um, I mean, yeah, interesting going into tomorrow's game. I've heard that Muriel is not, is, is he in the squad for tomorrow? Because from what I've heard, he's not he's not um, likely to play. You've asked an impossible question there because since the beginning of January, Atalanta haven't been releasing squad lists for oh. their games uh, publicly because there were a lot of COVID cases going on. Oh. And then there were reports of some anti or not anti and some non-vaccinated players in the squad. So then to protect the identity of the players who weren't vaccinated, they were traveling to games without telling anybody who was going there. So there was a really fun couple of weeks on, on social media where people were piecing together who was available for a match, depending on yeah. who the social media people had seen going onto bus to get onto the plane. So, um, Nobody knows if Muriel is is there, but he is more likely to be there than he has been in recent weeks, if if that makes any sense. So there is a possibility that Muriel will feature. My suspicion would be that even if he's there, he's not going to start. So co-host Labros Irmos 
Yash Labro. Labro is in Athens. Uh, mm. He's dropped a comment here. Vachlik said Muriel told him after the game last week he won't play tomorrow. Picked up a knock. Maybe he's lying to his old teammate, giving him a false sense of security. I mean, he is Colombian. No, no connotation, negative connotation about Colombians, but, you know, Latin Americans, they like to talk. But anyway, you know, he did say that in the press conference today that he wasn't going to play. And by all reports that I've seen as well, um, Atalanta are likely to come into the game tomorrow without a centre forward or an out and out centre forward because you've got um what's his name Boga that can play uh more as a as a winger if I'm I'm not mistaken and we saw that a little bit in the second half of the last game what do you what do you make of of Boga and how do you think they'll line up uh up top I I really like Jeremy Boga but for a team who wants to be in the Champions League I don't think he should be the Number 10, he's a good option. He was brilliant with Sassuolo, but he was one of those players that he was brilliant when he was brilliant. But there were a lot of games when he was largely anonymous. I mean, Sassuolo's just down the road from me here. I've spent more time than I'd like to admit in the the Mape Stadium in the last few years while I've been living here. So I've seen Boga do everything from have some of the best individual performances you'll see to having to check every two minutes is is Boga still on the pitch like is he yeah. is he playing there and that Sassuolo team was perfectly built for him but he's shown a lot of promise in his early weeks with Atalanta so I do like him and I do think Gasparini is the type of coach that can just beat that inconsistency out of him um it's the same with Valentin Mihailo who's come in in January too I think Gasparini is the right coach to take those to new levels for this Olympiacos game I would suspect that they'll start without a striker. Whether it'll be Coop Miners again playing in that role, I'm not so convinced. He really struggled there against Fiorentina and he's deputized there in parts of games this year, but not really for for 90 minutes. And with that, you do take away a lot of the good of his game, which is getting the ball in those little half spaces before the box. And being able to find passes from there and, and to connect the midfield and attack. When he's got his back to goal, he's he's not as effective. But th- there are options. Pashalic is a player who likes to arrive in the box. But again, if he's playing as that fixed point of attack, it, it doesn't quite work. So my suspicion will be that Atalanta will not play with uh, a traditional striker. They might have one nominally there, but it will be very much in a false nine role probably with Malinowski and Boga playing behind whoever that is, whether it's Coop Miners, Pashalic, or who knows what else Gasparini can throw up. <laughs> Maybe Giuseppe Pezzella will pop up there instead of at left wing back. It's it's hard to read. Yeah, well, the reports here have been expecting uh, Atalanta to line up in their classic kind of Christmas tree formation. Heard something about Pasalic and uh, Malinowski lining up um, and you know switching positions on the field. I think we saw that a little bit last week as well. To be fair, having Boga Malinowski and, and Pasalic and that triangle up front and switching positions and trying to create havoc. I don't know if it's um, if it's good or bad actually that 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 Muriel isn't playing because. Uh, I think it creates an extra kind of dilemma for our manager because there's been a lot of talk here about whether we're going to keep that 3-4-3 formation that we that we lined up with last week, which, uh, you know, if you, you talk to me and any of the other co-hosts on this show, we'll tell you 
oh my god, I can't handle that anymore because because our fullbacks are just not not you can't play that formation if your fullbacks are not on it. You know they need to play like a, an eleven out of ten game tomorrow for us to have any hope. Uh, I think you got Oleg Rabchuk, who's basically a Porto Academy product that started started out as a, a left centre back in a three at the back formation at Porto Academy, turned into a left back at some Portuguese team that I can't even remember their name now before we signed him. Um, he's He's got a lot of heart. He's aggressive, but going forward, he can't kick a cow's backside with a banjo, as um, as FIFA, FIFA commentary used to say yeah. back in the day. Uh, and on the other hand, you've got Kenny Lala, who, who's a bit of a pro-Evo FIFA speed merchant legend, but just, you know, hasn't, you know he's been good some games and he's he's been very erratic very inconsistent so uh, the, the, what seems to be the case is that the manager manager looks like he's preparing a 4-3-3 having seen that Fiorentina game on the weekend and i understand that uh, atalanta haven't beaten fiorentina in three games and fiorentina have employed that 4-3-3 to well, seeming perfection whenever they've played Atalanta and Atalanta struggled. And I think it's one of the first times I've seen an Atalanta game where they haven't scored. So it, do you think that 4-3-3 formation is something something you've seen from other teams as well that generally it gives them a bit of a bit of trouble? Could that be a problem for them? I think it's more about just the the fact that Fiorentina were happy to to just frustrate Atalanta for large portions of of those games. The the four three three definitely isn't Atalanta's favorite formation to come up against. But I'd put most of the the Fiorentina thing down to their coach Vincenzo Italiano because when he was at Spezia last season as well, his Spezia team gave Atalanta problems. I, I think they drew in Spezia and then maybe Atalanta beat them in Bergamo. I can't quite remember the the return game, but. Italiano's 4-3-3 definitely gives Atalanta problems. Um, defensive teams, and I mean very defensive teams, can also often give Atalanta problems. In the last few seasons, they've dropped stupid points where they've just come up against teams like, I mean, from the top of my head, Genoa this season, Sampdoria last season, Sampdoria the year before, sometimes Cagliari as well. And these are teams at the bottom of the table who just say, we're playing against Atalanta, we're not letting them score and we'll sacrifice all of our attacking intent as well. So those are the teams that Atalanta tend to struggle against in recent years. And also this year, they've they've done okay against the bigger sides who, who give them that little bit of time on the ball and, and they give them, I mean, a little bit less respect. So if, if Olympiacos just say, all right, we, we're going to sit back, fine. But Olympiacos need to score, so I don't think that's going to happen in in this game. So I I think that win for Atalanta was huge in Bergamo, even though it slightly contradictory came through huge fortune from from two set piece goals, and I think they hadn't scored a set piece goal at all before that game this season. Um, if they had, they hadn't scored more than one, but they were unlucky in that they they probably could have led by more. But I I don't think that Atalanta win tomorrow i i think they might well go through but i i don't think they will win on the night right well as the title suggests here and uh on the preview thumbnail anything can happen tomorrow in bidas with with the gavri 
the Olympiacos fans in the stands, it's going to be as raucous an atmosphere as it can be with 50% capacity. Uh, I'll, I'll say that much. Um, for those of you that are following live, I just dropped a question on the YouTube chat so you can all give your opinions. Who's going to qualify tomorrow, people? Will it be Olympiacos? Will it be Atalanta? Give it a click there. Let us know what you guys are thinking. Of course, most of you are Olympiacos fans probably following this, but that doesn't mean that everybody thinks we're going to win tomorrow. Let's see what that's like in a few minutes' time. Um, again, for those for those following live, make, drop your comments into the chat. Uh, anything that comes to mind, any questions that you might have for Connor or, or me, you can take those up. If you like what you're listening to, hit that like button as well. That helps spreading and sharing this episode so that more people can see it and hit that subscribe button as well and the bell next to it so that you don't miss the next episode as i said earlier there is a vlog coming out after this game labro is in athens he is taking video and there will be another vlog olibiakos atalanta coming up so hit the subscribe button you won't miss that all right after that shameless subscribe call uh, going back to what you were saying about Olympiacos um, need to score. And Atalanta have faced difficulties against teams that like to soak up the pressure, hit them on the counter. We saw that in the first half. Uh, I don't know about you, but I thought we could have scored two or three goals mm. from the um, from the you know the tenth minute to the thirtieth, you know, from ten to thirty in the in the first half. If you look at if you look at this graph, you look at the um, passes allowed per defensive action, and so Atalanta were were averaging over thirteen passes in the first fifteen minutes, and then you look at the pressure in the in the, from the sixteenth to the thirtieth minute, and you, you see those are the, those moments where the red bars are low. That's when Olympiacos was pressing. That's when we had space and we scored the goal from a counter attack. We had two, at least two situations in the first half where we broke once down the left-hand side, once down the right-hand side, and the overlap was on, and we screwed up the passes, and I was pulling all my hair out. Um, and, and on your Kuru's missed, a, missed an opportunity you know, in front of goal, sliced one wide with his left foot. So... The tactics going into the last game, they suited what you know what you what you mentioned. So like sit back against Atalanta, and Atalanta is a team that likes to play above the halfway line. So if you can get three, four passes and break through the the, the high press, it's dangerous because they play very high up the pitch. But tomorrow, uh, are you going to fall? Are we going to fall into that trap of going out? attacking and leaving spaces for Atalanta to do what they do best. I don't know. I, I think uh, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a case where our manager, he generally likes to keep things tight, keep the lines close. You have to do that against Atalanta. But do you see Atalanta sitting back? Do you see them employing that kind of tactic? Before this season, I wouldn't have even let you finish that question before answering and saying not a chance. But this season, we've seen a slight, I don't want to say evolution from Gasparini, but he has adapted to the necessities, which is that Atalanta haven't been able to play the way they've wanted to play. Because for so long, Gossens was out, 
Hatabor was out as well. Zappacosta and Pacella hadn't fully settled in the team. Mele hadn't settled a wing back either. They didn't have the strikers available. There were the midfielders absent. The defenders weren't there. So they have had injury crises in every part of the team this season and often overlapping. So we saw against Lazio and Inter last month when Atalanta effectively had a B team playing in, in both of those games. And they both finished nil-nil because Atalanta said these games are finishing nil-nil. And, and Gasparini went out and the setup didn't look all that different to things we've seen from them before. But the approach was we don't concede. And if that means we don't score, then we'll take the point and run. Because if we get a point here, that's a huge bonus. And I wouldn't be overly shocked if they went to, to Greece and said, look, if we don't concede, we're through. So maybe there's that temptation, but Gasparini traditionally is not that guy. Yeah. He doesn't do that. If he doesn't need to concede, he'll say, we can concede one if we score two. Um, and that's his way. I have a, a friend who works for, for UEFA, and he interviewed Pierluigi Golini a couple of years back when he was when he was the Atalanta goalkeeper. And this is when Atalanta were we're at their mad best, you know, scoring goals, more goals than anyone and, and more goals conceded than anyone as well. And he asked him, like, as a goalkeeper, how is it to play in a team like that? And Golini's response was, look, we don't really care if a team playing against us scores two goals because we've got Papu Gomez, Ilicic, Muriel, Zapata, even the, the wingbacks. We know we're going to score at least two and probably three. And that was the Atalanta goalkeeper saying, I don't care if I can see the goal because that's just the way the team was. At the moment, it's not quite like that, but that is still in their DNA. I guarantee it. Whatever approach they're taking tomorrow, you'll see Rafa Toloi in Olympiacos' six-yard box. Um, you'll see someone else in a position that they shouldn't be in. And Demiral will be making heroic challenges or whoever is playing in the back three will have to make heroic challenges. Because there will be that temptation, I would imagine, at some point in the game. Because that's just what Atalanta are, for the most part. Like I said, there have been those examples against Inter and Lazio, but they're very much the exceptions to the overall rule. So I would be a little bit surprised, but not shocked, if Atalanta were happy to be to be defensive. Because they're a goal to the good. Um, there are no away goals. So why why take unnecessary risks? But it's Gasparini, so he might take the risks just for the fun of it. It's quite telling you said that, you know, about Colini not, not caring because he's a, okay, they'll score two and we'll score three. Mm -hmm. And you anyone that's looked back at the Champions League group that they were in and looked at their games and just I mean three, two, four, two, like every every game was over like if you're a betting man like you you, you play them over every game um very entertaining team i understand they have that nickname as well as being the entertainers and they've you know we we talked to we talked to people last week previewing the first game and um talked a lot about how they've revolutionized italian football made it more attractive and actually a lot even the big teams they kind of look to them as an example now and catenaccio is not even a thing really in in Italy unless you're one of the one of the smaller teams I suppose and or Juventus <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> well, I've got no love for Juventus. I can tell you that much. Uh, we have a history against that team as well. A um, couple of questions coming into the chat here. Jim Politi is a good friend of ours. He's asking you who is your favourite Olympiacos player, if you can even answer that. I, I can't answer that because I've got to hold my hands up and say I, I do not have the time to watch Greek football. So the only Olympiacos game I've seen this season was the first leg against Atalanta, unfortunately. Uh, let, I'm sorry. Let me ask another question then. So, okay, you don't know the team that well now, but you know Olympiacos somewhat as a club are there any players in the past that we've had that you thought oh you know that's a good player or he should be playing in a better league off the top of my head there aren't my my exposure to olympicos has been european competition um, dear I, dear I've i need to send you some football <laughs> feel free i'm i'm happy to learn i'm very happy to I'm, learn i'm trying to figure out now what age group you are but you don't remember like predrak Djordjevic or grigoris Jorgatos that played for inter milan i don't remember them Olympi, at Olympiacos, no. no rivaldo no. giovanni oh. rivaldo yeah but look rivaldo's best football wasn't played in greece was it he, no, no no not by a long shot but he still scored 20, <laughs> 20 goals a season and every free kick was like a penalty so you know that was <laughs> Oh, that was fun to have him for a couple of seasons before he decided to be a traitor and go to Ajax. But anyway, mm. uh, <laughs> leaving that aside. Less said about that, the better, probably. Yeah. Uh, John Tabukas, he's from Australia, mate. What what time is it over there? Jesus Christ. Uh, early goal tomorrow is key. Three Leo Le. Yeah, that would be great. Early goal tomorrow would be very, very useful. Oh, there's another question here. Uh, Bobo's not a gamer. Do you remember what happened when Olympiagos faced Milan a couple of seasons ago? And Arsenal, are you afraid this might happen tomorrow? <laughs> I'm clear. I'm terrified of this game. I I don't have any positive optimism or any good feelings about this game tomorrow. I'm expecting the worst because we know what it's like when teams go away to Greece. Um, yeah, no, of course I'm afraid. I I've probably not been more fearful for a game than I am of this all season, just because there is that weight of expectation that Atalanta should get the job done as well. And usually that's when Atalanta disappoints you. If Atalanta were playing Barcelona, I'd be loving it because there's no expectations and I, I wouldn't have any fear. But the last time I feared a game as much as this was... I think probably ahead of the PSG game, um, just which was what, 2019 20. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've been this fearful of a game since then for completely different reasons. But generally speaking, with Atalanta, you know, if they lose, they lose. But this isn't one of those games, unfortunately. So, yeah, to, to answer that question, yes, I'm terrified. All right. Uh, oh, hello. There's another one here from Concept Cow Show. Looking at the tickets for tomorrow. Sorry about the club are taking the piss. Up to 80 <laughs> to 90 euros for Europa League football seems very steep. Um, mate, there were some tickets going for 30 euros. I think the 80, 90 euros were, in, um, were either VIP or right next to VIP. But there were some tickets going for 30 euros. And at least this afternoon, there were still tickets available. Yeah, there's been indeed there's been lost revenues, but yeah, eighty to ninety euros for um, for somebody living in Greece is is taking the piss. Um, we're gonna start wrapping up, Connor. Real quick, tell me what do you think the lineup's gonna be tomorrow 
for uh, for Atalanta? How do you think they'll line up? Why do you have to ask me this when we're in the middle of a time when we don't even know who's going to the country? <laughs> who, would you, who would you line up with then? Or what do you see happening? Musso. The, the back three will be the back three. I mean, Palomino's out. So it will be Demiral, Jim Shitty and, and Toloi. Right wing back is a mystery at the moment. I can't think of any injuries or suspensions that, that come into play here. But my suspicion would be because Hatabor started and did okay against Fiorentina, I'd imagine he'll play. Deron and Freuler in the middle. Left wing back could be Zappacosta, could be Mele, could be Pazella. My suspicion would be it'll be Mele because he didn't start. And then the three, it's got to be Malinowski. It'll probably be Boga. And oh, I'm gonna go with Pashalic instead of Cup Minus. Well, we've seen that Gasparini is also very good at changing things up at half time. Mm. If it's not Cope Miners, if it's Basilic and whatever happens during the game, he adapts very well. I should say as well, he's also added a, a back four in, in the last year where he hadn't played a back four for seven years. And then there were three consecutive games last season where he played it. And it's made an appearance twice or three times this season too. So don't rule that out either because... Gasparini just likes to do things that not everybody would normally do because that's just how he is. Do you think we could see extra time and penalties tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it could go all the way. I, I've no faith in Atalanta. They're in a stinking run of form. They've won three times this year. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked. Like <laughs> I said, I don't think Atalanta win tomorrow night. I think they can go through, but I don't think they win. Yeah, well, we have a knack at... Uh... We have a knack at resurrecting teams sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> Nikos Theodoridis, 2-0, says Nikos. Come on, Olympiakos, London, Nikos, Club Day 7. Big up London town, my hometown, Yasun Niko. Do you venture a score prediction, Connor, for tomorrow? Would you dare? I used to do score predictions, um, but I mean, we're going to get it wrong anyway. But Living but... in Italy has made me superstitious, so... Can I can I back out with slightly and say both teams are scoring? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, thank you. You're very kind. <laughs> very gracious to our guest. Uh, I'm gonna go. I, I just can't see Atalanta not scoring. So mm. I'm gonna go two one, extra time penalties. Olympiacos win. Oh, I don't want penalties. I know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's something uh, the the universe needs to give something back as well. We got knocked out of the Champions League on penalties to Luda Goretz with ten, playing with ten men into extra time. Uh, the universe needs to give something back. Uh, and um, if if they're going to give, you know, if somebody's going to pay ninety euros as well, then I hope they get their money's worth for those that do pay eighty, ninety euros to go to the stadium tomorrow. But. Okay, uh, I know that you have to you have to run along. Thank you very much for coming on uh, again. Is there anything you wanna you wanna say before you go? Like anything you wanna plug about the work you do, or like where people can find you on social media if they wanna follow you? Uh, get me on on Twitter and Instagram at conjclancy, and then written work is up on Forza Italian Football and and Marca in English. So. That's where you get me. And in terms of parting comments, I just like to say Forza Atalanta and run before the reaction comes in. 
it's okay we're civilized here we'll see it out on the pitch tomorrow but again thanks very much for for taking the time to join us it's been a pleasure talking to you um may the best team or oh, may, may we win tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again thanks very much i'm going to leave connor's info down in the description so you can find connor's twitter instagram etc in uh, in the description below thanks for watching if you liked what you saw make sure to hit the like button subscribe hit the bell you won't miss uh, the future episodes. Keep up to date on everything that's happening in and around Olympiacos in English. We are Gate 7 International by the fans, for the fans. Adepame Olympiacara, pame! You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International podcast podcast connecting Olibiagos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olibiagos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL, give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city, and our story. Thrilos, he said. Stomialo kati magiko.